Hello. Thank you for joining us for our very first podcast here at Women Helping Women Fund. We are calling this podcast Gathering for Good because that's exactly what Women Helping Women Fund strives to do each and every year since 1992. Today, I am going to be part of the podcast. My name is Heather Hamlin. I'm Executive Director with Women Helping Women Fund. And with me, I have... I'm Geneva Johns. I'm the Operations Director at Women Helping Women Fund. We are excited to kick this off. The very first episode is really just about Women Helping Women Fund. We are excited to connect with the amazing nonprofits in our community that are doing good work and really singing their praises. We've said that for years now. We're singing their praises from the rooftops, and that's really part of our role here. And now you'll get to hear directly from these nonprofits. To kick us off, I would love, Geneva, if you could talk a little bit about Women Helping Women Fund. We've been here for 32 years. I always joke that we're like a 32-year-old woman, and we know what we want, and we're on our way to getting there. Yes. And and I think it's exciting. We want to support the community, and that's exactly what we're doing. Can you tell us a little bit about Women Helping Women Fund? Maybe there's someone on here that doesn't know about us. What do we do? Yeah, we are a grant funder in the area. We raise a bunch of money every year, and then we give it away in the form of grants to local nonprofit programs. We just get to support their work in the community, which is amazing. We also offer scholarships to mothers balancing the cost of tuition and childcare. And recently we have really dove into supporting the work in our community with data. And we've been able to gather data and put it into an amazing report. We just released our second one. And that really helps nonprofits and organizations in our community see where the gaps are and how we can work to solve them together. Really the organization has grown over the past 32 years from just giving away money to really working more full circle and supporting nonprofits and mothers and organizations. And it's just a really full community support organization. I would agree. I mean, I think as two of the employees of Women Helping Women Fund, we might be a little biased, but but I think that it's pretty darn amazing too. We always say community knows community. And there's nothing more exciting than being able to make an impact locally. These are local funds that are going back to local nonprofits and local families with those moms that are back in school. We know for those moms, it is not easy. No, it is not easy. Do you want to talk a little bit about our scholars? Because you have had a chance to meet almost all of the scholars the last four years, and they're pretty inspirational. They are. All of them are low income. They have children, young children, because that's part of the scholarship is that they have children in childcare for the school year. They usually work Uh, alongside getting the scholarship. A lot of them have come from really hard backgrounds with drug use or domestic violence. Some of them have immigrated from other countries. There is no one story that represents our scholars. It's amazing to meet them every year and to hear about how they've overcome their challenges and how what it feels like our tiny scholarship does for them, but it really does make a huge impact in them working to get their education. And then I think on top of that, we really work hard to be cheerleaders for our scholars and beyond just receiving a check. We send like little notes of support. If they need to be connected to another resource in the community, we're happy to help, happy to offer kind of the expertise of our board and our volunteers. And most recently we heard from a scholar that she didn't really believe in herself and she had this group of strangers that came around 
around her. And that just gave her the confidence that she needed to move forward with her education. And she's become this amazing person in our community and is involved with so many organizations and has found a cause that she's really passionate about. It's cool to see how Again, what feels like really small actions and a small scholarship can make a huge difference in the lives of our scholars. Absolutely. I think that's what we're striving for, right? Yeah. We, we want them, these women specifically that are scholars, we want them to feel like they have a community rooting for them. Yeah. And I know we do a lot of things throughout the year. We send uh, gift cards in the summer. Yeah. They can enjoy some, some fun outings with their kiddos and gifts around Christmas. Yeah. We want to grow this out so that we can take some of that burden off of their plates yeah. as they go through school. And it's not just higher education in the form yes. of a four-year institution. Yeah. Do you want to talk about who's eligible? Yeah, it used to just be four your institutions and we changed that over the past couple years to include trade and certificate programs and part-time students instead of just full-time because we know as a single parent trying to finish your education it might not be possible to be full-time and we want to be able to cater to that and really be a champion for mothers that are just trying <laughs> trying their best isn't isn't that every parent every we are, parent we're all just trying our best truly <laughs> there's this one story from a scholar that i remember a few years ago and it'll probably stay with me forever this woman had one of these stories where she was forced to leave her home in a different country she moved into a refugee camp she already had four children yeah. with her and her husband in this refugee camp and then they had triplets and they immigrated <laughs> to the us yeah. and she she wants to continue on with her education to be a nurse and to give it back. Yeah. But with seven kiddos and new to the U.S., that scholarship I know really, really changed her trajectory. And, and it's it's empowering to know. As Women Helping Women Fund, we're mostly not a direct service provider. Yep. And we get to work with the nonprofits, but working with these scholars and hearing those stories, that's, that's impactful. It's really amazing, truly. I will say one of the common threads that we see in scholars is that we, ha- we get a lot of people who are going after nursing, which is really sweet and I think really speaks to kind of the the scholars we have coming through. And it's a, a gap in our community right now, too. Absolutely. Same. Yeah. And we even have someone on the scholarship committee that is a nurse and was yes. a prior scholarship recipient years ago. Yeah. She found us, she came back, and she said, this was great, and I want to pay it forward. And now she helps select the next generation of Women Helping Women Fund Vivian Winston scholars. Yeah. And her insight is invaluable, really. It really is. Yeah. I think the whole scholarship program, it's named after one of our founders, yeah. right? Women, Women Helping Women Fund Vivian Winston was one of the founders and and Vivian's granddaughter actually Stephanie just rolled off the board mm-hmm. of Women Helping Women Fund. We were able to to keep that connection. I think it's amazing because not everybody knows about Vivian Winston yeah. and why she has a scholarship named after yeah. her. Vivian was a lifelong supporter of education and to the point where she was still taking classes into her 80s before she passed away. This was a powerhouse woman, just like all of the other founders Mm -hmm. of Women Helping Women Fund. These six women got together and they realized in 1992 that there was a gap in our community and that nonprofits needed more support than they were getting. At this little lunch, these six women decided that they were going to do something different and they wanted to put on an event where they could invite all of their friends and then a hundred percent of the donations would go to support those nonprofits. Yep. That very first year, how many people were in attendance? 
700, 800. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy, yes. crazy, crazy. And it continued to grow and grow over the years. And let's see, I know, gosh, Glennon Doyle was one of the speakers yep. and what, there were 2,500 people mm-hmm. in attendance that year. Yeah. It's, it's neat to see how that community continues to support year after year. Now, changing gears a little bit, the last two years of that signature event has looked a little bit different. It Do has. you want to talk about what we envision for that event and, and maybe what a glimpse they saw of it last year? Yeah, Traditionally, it's been our annual luncheon. It's been that way for decades at this point. And it has pivoted a little bit. One, in time. It's not a luncheon anymore. It's in the afternoon now. But one of the additions that we made this year that just received so much positive feedback was that we got to highlight our grantees this year. Each of our grantees had a table and we had a little like philanthropy passport and each of our attendees could go around to our grantees and just learn more about their program, learn more about the work that they're doing, how they can get involved, which Mm -hmm. was huge. And it was great talking to our grantees afterward because they would say things like, I thought everyone knew about us. And I found out today that not everybody knows about us. And that's what we worked so hard to do in just our day-to-day job is how do we connect nonprofits to our community and vice versa. It was cool to get grantees out in front of people and just really highlight their work. And it's something we've been trying to do for years and years. And and obviously we've been successful because we're still here, but it was cool to just connect them directly. That has definitely been a gap, I think, over the past few decades. And what I like about it is it's a twist on our classic luncheon. It's just a little bit more focused on connecting our community with nonprofits, singing the praises of our nonprofits, which is honestly should just be in our job description at this point. It really should. It really should. (laughs) I feel like I'm either wearing nonprofit attire most days. Most days, yeah. Or or I'm running into strangers and telling them about nonprofits. And that's every day. Yeah. And you have to. Like, you're compelled to. It's it's exciting. Like, I get so excited. And I feel like people are like, ooh, like, this is a lot. And I'm like, it is a lot. But this nonprofit is so cool. And you have to know what they're doing and how you can get involved. Yeah, we're big fans of nonprofits over here, which is... Big fans. Huge fans. I would agree. Okay, I have a question. And one of the things that you talked on earlier was about the data and research that Women Helping Women Fund is doing. Yes. We released this first report in 2019 called the State of Women and Children in Spokane County. And this is a collaborative report between funders and researchers, community organizations. And and really what it's supposed to do is shine the light on the areas in our community that have the areas of biggest need right, for women and children. Can you tell us a little bit about how the report is used in the community? Yeah, we hear a lot from nonprofits that it's invaluable for getting funding because there's data to back up what they already know, right? And what they're working to solve every day. And that's really important for them. But it's also great for legislators in our community. It's great for businesses in our community. It's just nice to actually have that data in hand. It hasn't come together easily. I know it's definitely a labor of love for our community partners and for women helping women. But it is rare that you would have a report of data like that because in other communities, it's harder to get the right people at the table to actually get that data. And then a lot of the people that we work with to get that data, it's all volunteer. It's a steering committee and bless them because it really is a labor of love. It's just invaluable is the only word I can really come up with because one, it's rare to be able to have that data and to be able to share it so widely with our community is truly a blessing. It does make our community better and it helps to move forward work that people are already doing day in, day out. And we just get to support it in that way, which is amazing. But you did a ton of work on it. So anything that you want to (laughs) add? 
do that. <laughs> it was definitely a labor of love. A report like this takes about two years to put yeah. together, right? So you are working with your funders first. You're setting your intentions for the report. This is the second time we've done it. We definitely knew how useful it was in the community. When we talk about the data and, and we talk about kind of the research side of it, if you haven't been able to see the report yet, go check it out online, WHWF spokane.org yeah we'll put it in the show notes too it's great some of the information that is really talked about in there is sensitive and and some of it is really exciting to see the areas where our community is doing better and some of it is very 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 somber i think a couple of the big stats that came out just little teasers to make sure that you know the type of information's there so that you spend the time to go look at it is the percentage of youth in grades 8 10 and 12 who seriously considered suicide in 2021 this is one of those stats that's really stark and stood out. Out of those youth that were polled, 29% of girls had seriously considered suicide in 2021 and 12% of boys. Shocking. It is. It's absolutely shocking. Some of the other things, it's good to know, right? One of those segments are single moms in our community. And we know how hard those single moms are working. And some of the research in the report shows just that. In Spokane County, one in five children lived with a single mom in 2020. That's 20%. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. We also did some math in there, right? If a single mom is making the median average salary of a little over $31,000 a year, and then they have to pay for childcare, let's say they have like a, an infant and a preschooler, yeah. single mom making the median salary. After they pay for just childcare, they are only left with $520 on average at the end of the month, and that needs to cover food, rent, utilities, and all of the other necessities Mm -hmm. that come with having a family and raising children. Could you do all of that on $520 a month? Who can? Everything's so expensive right now. And that's with social support services, right? Like with TANF and other services. Mm -hmm. If we didn't have those, it just wouldn't be possible at all. This report too is is very special because the title of this report is Our Girls. We titled it Our Girls for a lot of reasons. One of them was just because this project was guided by the steering committee of local women. It was mothers, daughters, sisters, scientists, scholars, service providers, neighbors, and friends. And we explored these topics that shape wellness from birth through old age with a lens of equity and a curiosity about the primary policy and the system factors that shape the well-being. It was exciting to do this for women and it was made by women and it really is there to help our community. One of the items that I thought was really interesting is we did a lot of interviews. Yes. Oh gosh, how many interviews? So many interviews. 50 interviews. It makes this report stand out from the last one that we did and it's amazing to tie that quantitative data to the qualitative data and just hear stories from our community the group that was interviewed was so diverse and from so many different walks of life. It was amazing to see that data paired with a story. And some of those stories are just heartbreaking. Some are really positive. Uh, we just have a little bit of everything in it there. And we, we anonymized those stories. Yes. And yes. we gave them names. And these are real people, real stories, just anonymized. One of them that really stands out to me in the report is our girl, Jessie. Jessie remembers that her mom was working two jobs to support their 
family while she was growing up. And she remembers times when her family had their heat shut off and times when they were homeless and they showered at hotels. And even though life seemed tough on the outside, Jessie's mom raised her and her siblings with emotional resilience, patience, and unconditional love. Those are the stories we need more of. It's just powerful. What is some of the other research that stood out in the report to you? The life expectancy by area code was really shocking and speaks to how far we still have to go. Absolutely. Yeah. We know that where you live, it does matter for life expectancy. It does, yeah. And the data shows that communities where families can easily access the resources they need, things like financial support, health care, mental health services, schools that are well-resourced, yeah. those things matter. In contrast, you look at some of these other historically underserved communities with higher crime, unemployment, higher food insecurity, housing instability, all of these things really are putting our girls at a greater risk of adverse childhood experiences, substance use disorder, suicide, and other negative outcomes. When we say it doesn't matter where you live, well, it does does. because it's not equitable across all of the communities in Spokane. People would be surprised to look at that life expectancy by zip code and really what that looks like. Go and check that out if you haven't yet. What are some of the things that we can do to make a difference for our girls and for the future generation? Geneva, we talk about this all the time. Every day. We talk about ensuring that families have the same opportunity to afford basic needs. Yep. That's huge. Improving access to culturally centered mental health resources for all age. Yes. That is huge. It is. Supporting programs and policies that help children grow in resilient households and safe communities. Absolutely. Priority. Yep. And finally, I'd say just creating those opportunities, right? Creating opportunities to ensure that everyone, especially members of historically excluded community, feel a sense of belonging and connectedness through shared decision-making. I had the opportunity to teach a class recently, social entrepreneurship at Gonzaga University. And one of the things that I really harped on the students' is nothing about us without us. You cannot make those decisions for people if they are not represented in the room. Correct. People need to have decisions over their future and over the things that matter to them. Nothing about us without us. I think that at the end of the class, if those students learn nothing else, they know that (laughs) mantra. (laughs) We said it all the time. It's just big. One of the other things that we talk about, nothing about us without us, let's talk about collective giving Ah. because this is amazing. This Ah. is your favorite topic in the world. This is my favorite topic. Please talk about collective giving. (laughs) Collective giving is a key aspect of Women Helping Women Fund's approach. Could you explain what collective giving is and how it's central to our organization's philosophy? Yeah, I'll give the official educational definition and then I'll simplify it a bit because for some reason it's really hard for people to get their heads around, but it's so simple and it's so cool, everyone. Collective giving or giving circles is like-minded people coming together to support shared causes. They pool their resources and decide collectively where when and how to award grants. Giving as a group, donors are able to achieve a greater impact than they might alone. Collective giving offers a number of benefits, including a higher level of engagement, social connectivity, and the freedom to make significant contributions to several different organizations. Our more fun way to put that is uh, Women Helping Women Fund's Giving Circle members are a special group of givers doing good in our community. They donate, they learn about local nonprofits, they volunteer, and they vote on which programs to support together. What's special about Women Helping Women Fund is that really we've always been a collective giving organization. When you look at it very broadly, we've brought people together year after year. They donate during our annual luncheon, and then we 
took all of that money and we gave it away to nonprofit programs. But we've added to it in the past few years is that opportunity for our Giving Circle members to decide where those funds go. Mm -hmm. We have a vote in September that focuses on our funding focus areas for the year. There are 10 of those this year. And it helps us to understand where members feel the most passionate about putting their dollars. And those will be on our website. I can link that below what the funding focus areas are for the year and their priorities. Then the other part of it that we were so excited to roll out with Collective Giving is ways for members and really the community at large, we don't limit it just to members, to get involved in our community. We have volunteer opportunities at least a couple times a quarter. We have education that will be in the form of this podcast. And then we also have spotlight sessions where we just get to have a really great discussion about a specific topic with leaders in our community. And we get to hang out with each other, which is great. We have our evening of gratitude in October. We have our May event. We'll have Women Helping Women Week and mom prom this year, which is Mm -hmm. exciting. We really want to help people who are passionate about the same causes that we're passionate about come together and work together to make our community better and feel like they're a part of something because I think the most frustrating thing is feeling like you can't do anything. And we are offering a way for people to do something and dedicate as much time to it as they can, right? Because life looks different at different stages. If you can just donate and do nothing else, great. If you want to get involved with volunteer opportunities, dive into the education, come to events. We're here and you really get to customize your experience in collective giving, which is, I think, the biggest appeal and especially for women, just because there's already too much for women. <laughs> we, we say that Women <laughs> women Helping Women Fund is a no-guilt organization. No-guilt organization, Which yes. means that you can be involved at any level that works for you. Yes. Now, when we talk about membership, we're talking about you're pooling your money with all of these other donors across Spokane County. You're deciding together where that money goes and which areas you really want to focus those funds on. Yep. And it's not just a little bit of money. What, last month we gave out about 330000 between grants and scholarships scholarships and it is a large sum of money that we are directing to Spokane County nonprofits and collective giving continues to grow. I saw the most exciting news. When we say collective giving or giving circle, not not everybody knows, right? This is something that is still gaining traction throughout the U.S. In other communities, it's exploded and we've seen the impact that it has. The exciting news that I just saw is we get to work with a couple of really great organizations, Philanos and Philanthropy together. And Philanthropy Together CEO, Sarah Lomlin, actually was just selected for the 2023 Forbes 50 over 50, alongside 49 of the country's best entrepreneurs, investors, inventors, and artists that are changing the world. Sarah was honored in the impact category, and she's recognized for her commitment to uplifting the narrative that anyone can and should be a philanthropist and elevating the model of collective giving. We talk about everyday givers. Sarah is recognized for really saying that on a larger level, right? Like we've been saying this for a couple of years here locally, collective giving can change a community. Absolutely. And it's done by everyday givers that give $25 or $50 a month. Might not seem like a lot, right? But that continual gift at the end of the year, that $25 a month, that's $300 that you have given back to your community to make a big change. I was so excited when Sarah was honored because she is doing amazing things serving as a spokesperson for collective giving and giving circles 
just like ours. And she had an amazing TED Talk too that we can link down in the show notes that is just absolutely impactful and really explains the power of collective giving and why it's important. Absolutely. The other two amazing things about collective giving is that it's mostly women in these giving circles. That really speaks to the history of what giving has looked like for a long time, where it was it was mostly male dominated, at least in name, right? Absolutely. We all know that wives encourage philanthropy and that women encourage philanthropy. But I think with the access to being an everyday giver, it makes it easy for women to get involved along with the social aspect of it and in giving back, right? Because women are more likely to volunteer and give back to their communities. It really just sings to the giving heart that women have, which is really cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've seen that even with our own giving circle and and really how, how it's so effective, right? Why the model is so effective. It engages that greater diverse group of donors, people with various backgrounds, donors of all wealth level, newer members we're seeing are joined for the opportunity to deeply engage with a cause or issue that resonates with them. Yep. They might come because they're focused on early childhood education or access to higher education for single moms but they stay because there's so much more that they can get involved with. I thought it was also interesting when we look at giving circles across the country, giving circle members make more contributions on average than donors that don't give collectively. There's something about pooling your money and making a bigger impact. Yes, and coming together as a community, I think Mm -hmm. makes a big difference too, right? Do you want to talk about how collective giving groups usually start and how Women Helping Women Fund is unique in that way and how we've been a model? Absolutely, yeah. No pressure for Women Helping Women Fund, but (laughs) we have a lot of eyes on this little organization across the country for a few reasons. One is the cool things that are happening. Collective giving organizations and giving circles normally start as a giving circle, right? Their intent is to democratize philanthropy. Their intent is to pool donations, give it away, and kind of just create that generosity in the community that we know is there. Women Helping Women Fund started, like we said, with this amazing event back in 1992. And now we are shifting and offering a giving circle in addition to it, right? This is interesting because most organizations start as giving circles. We are shifting after 30 years. There are all these other women's friends across the country that are watching and reaching out to us saying, how is it going? How in the world do you have (laughs) over 300 members that have already joined this giving circle? How did you raise enough money to give out $330,000? That has been fun talking to other communities. Greenville has a great group. Let's see, we have one in Boise. Gosh, Denver. There's Impact 100s that are all collective giving organizations. It has been fun to have mentors all over the country as we explore this model. Also, just see how locally people are really embracing it. There are so many women that are looking for a way to give back. And I would say this is the way for you. There's just something special about it. And it helps you feel connected in your community. Before we launched collective giving, we heard that all the time from people like, I don't know how to engage. I don't know where to jump in. What's amazing about our roles with Women Helping Women is that we do know where people can dive in. And we do have those connections. We just get to share it with people and share our love for nonprofits with our collective giving members, which is 
it is a dream, truly. I think too. Yeah. I really do. We also know that collective giving members, they give strategically. They are giving based on solid research and active engagement. That data and research report, that helps drive those decisions yep. on where the money will go and sets that benchmark on how our community is doing. We also know that members become more active and informed funders. And then those members go on to serve as leaders, volunteers, advocates, and board members for other nonprofits in the community. Some might say that Women Helping Women Fund is a gateway for giving. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. And we have had some members that connect with a nonprofit that really sings to their soul and volunteer and serve on boards because there are just causes and nonprofits that speak to your heart. And I love that we get to connect people to those causes that they care about. I think sometimes people think that that's competing, right? Because mm-hmm. we still need donations as a nonprofit. Yeah. yeah. But we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We just want to sing the praises of our nonprofits and help them solve issues in our community. Yeah. Many of these issues are too big for one nonprofit to do on their own. And we have collaborative nonprofits that are working together to solve them, but there are still gaps in funding. Absolutely. And that is where we can make a difference, is helping to fill those gaps and to volunteer our time. We've done some fun volunteer things. We have volunteered with Project Beauty Share. We have volunteered multiple times with Second Harvest. Yeah. Let's see, what else have we done? Vanessa Behan for San X Express, so fun every year. Catholic Charities Kappa program. Mm, child care child and care sorting clothes. And sorting clothes. It was super fun. We've done different site tours and stuff that supplement the volunteering. We've seen Joya's facility, which is absolutely beautiful. Fun. Vanessa Behan's coming yeah. up. We volunteered at Women and Children's Free Restaurant. That was so great. We boxed so many meals that were ready to go for the women that week. They yeah. could just drive through. They don't even have to get out of their car. And someone will hand them a box of food with some meals and some necessities for the week. That was a really great volunteer opportunity. We had so many fun ones. How many times we volunteer with these nonprofits is kind of the best part of our jobs. Absolutely it is. It really is. One of the things that I was hoping you could talk on a little bit is we have a really cool event coming up in October. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. Evening of Gratitude, we launched this in 2020. It's an evening to celebrate collective giving, to celebrate our collective giving members, and it's a free event. So our members and longtime donors or people who are really passionate about Women Helping Women Fund can bring a friend and then they get to learn about collective giving. They get to learn about the nonprofits in our community. We reveal the keynote speaker mm. for our Give Like a Woman event, which used to be our annual luncheon event. It's called Give Like a Woman now. And our speaker is so exciting this year. Our speaker is so good. We cannot share it until October, but I can say you will want to purchase your tickets early for the May event. Absolutely. Because it's going to be really, really, really big. That'll be at the Spokane Club on October 26th. Yeah, totally free event. Feel free to register, bring a friend, make sure to get your tickets early. But we can't wait to celebrate and talk more about collective giving and just what a cool giving community that we've built in the past few years. There's drinks and appetizers. It's a free event. Come join us. Drinks and appetizers. (laughs) You had me at speaker reveal. In our next episode, we will be talking with an amazing nonprofit about the work that they're doing, the issues that they see, and then tying that back to the data and research in the State of Women and Children report titled Our Girls. We hope that you will join us there. We will have all of the links discussed down below that you can access those easily. Before we wrap up, we just want to reiterate all of the amazing things that we talked about today. 
And we can sum it up in one quick sentence. Turning good into greater good, it's why we give together. Yep. And that is so incredibly true. Thank you, everyone who's listening, for taking the time to listen to this very first podcast episode, Gathering for Good, the Heart of Women Helping Women Fund. It's truly inspiring to share the work that is being done in our community. To our listeners, be sure to check out the websites, social media to learn more about how you can get involved to make a difference. And until next time, remember that together we can create positive change right here in our own backyard. I love it. <laughs>